This episode of Canisations with Chris is brought to you by Bio Diagnostics Laboratories, an ISO 17025 accredited food, beverage, and cannabis testing facility. They were the first state licensed laboratory for the Vermont adult use market and are certified for the Americans for Safe Access Cannabis Standard. If you produce cannabis or cannabis products, see Be a Diagnostics team for all your testing needs. Samples can be dropped off in person at Be a Diagnostics Laboratories located at 480 Hercules Drive in Colchester, Vermont. And now, another episode of Canisations with Chris. This podcast is brought to you by the letter C, which stands for cannabis, but not Chris. That starts with a K. That's right. You are listening to nothing other than Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Canisations. This is Canisations with Chris. I'm Chris. And what we do on this podcast is we like to talk about cannabis. It's such a great plant, just like tomatoes, but you just smoke it. So... We like to talk about, bring on everybody from seed to sale to talk about what they got going on in the community. You know, all the products that they got and things like that. So today, well, actually, it ain't even today no more. It's this evening because, man, I met this gentleman at NECAN. I came to his table and we met up, lined up some things, and he was like, well, you know, let me listen to it and see, you know, if I'm in, if I'm interested in it. And I was like, all right, cool. You know what I'm saying? I'm pretty cool. You're going to like it. <laughs> but then he hit me up and was like, hey, uh, I would love to come on. It's it's a great thing that you're doing. And uh, as, as it started coming up, he hit me up and he was like, hey, won't you, you know, I can bring some, bring some food up too. So, man, we just had this awesome dinner. Chefed by your boy, of course. I was out there on the grill doing my thing. But he brought up some pork chops and some chicken. Oh, my God. All homegrown. And let me tell you, I ain't going to keep this podcast long because I didn't got the itis. I'm ready to go to bed. I don't want to kick him out after he didn't fed me, but damn, I'm full. <laughs> yeah, man, cooked to perfection, too. Hey, thank you. Thank you, man. But without further ado, we got the man himself from off-piste, Ben Wilcox. Thank you, man, for coming all the way over. Yeah, kind of over. Over here. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, we'll just say over. Thank yeah. you for coming over, man. I greatly appreciate it. It's awesome, man. You know what I'm saying? You yeah, got, thank you, you got, for having me. Yeah, you got some, man. Yeah, some good food you have. Some good meat you brought. I wish I, I took pictures of y'all to see pictures when I upload. You know how I get down. But once again, thank you for coming out, man. Appreciate it. Could you tell us a little bit about, you know what I'm saying, who Ben Wilcox is? Yeah, so my name is Ben Wilcox and started Off Peace Farm, I guess, about officially in like 2018 uh, when I was growing hemp. Um, which is cannabis, you know, but doesn't contain THC um, under a hemp permit and had to come up with a name on the form. So that's what we came up with. And uh, it's a good fit for the place because it's kind of off the off the beaten path and off-piste is a French term that I had heard from skiing out West where it means like off-trail skiing. Um, but I think roughly just means like off the beaten path, off-trail, you know, so. and that's a fit for the farm. So <laughs> So that's what we called it, and uh, yeah, I've just been kind of slowly trying to build it since then. And and then when you know when the rec thing passed, uh, I was excited to try to switch over to THC. I stopped doing the CBD because mm-hmm. uh, I didn't want to have a conflict with federal 
you know. Yeah, because it's a fine line between yeah, the two, right? Yeah, it's a fine line. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> or a thicker I mean, line. I don't it's know. A line. It's, yeah. a line. <laughs> it's a line. It's a line. So, anyways. Um, but, yeah, I didn't really, I, you know, I didn't uh, kind of fell into it, I feel like. Uh, it's not something I really sought out in particular, but just through my my travels, I've always been someone who's kind of just driven by by goals and trying to pursue whatever it is at that point in time in my life that I'm chasing after. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and through that kind of journey, it took me all over the West. And I met some people that gave me an opportunity uh, as friends of a friend at a wedding. And he was like, I was living in Lake Tahoe at the time. And they were from Shasta County, and uh, which is about four hours north, but on the east side of California. Kind yeah, of. Yeah. Um, and he was like, oh, man. If, and I do carpentry work. That was my how I made my, my living in Lake Tahoe and kind of everywhere I went was carpentry. And uh, he was like, I got so many carpentry projects that need to get done. And I told him my dream was to get some land somewhere someday. That had been a kind of a dream of mine for like 10 years at the time that I, or several years that I didn't really, was always the back of mind, but didn't really think it was a real possibility at any given time. And he was like, well, you could work at my place for, you know, save your money and live there for free. And, you know, and he had knew, he had, the friends were from Alaska, these people. And so we had, I had lived in kind of remote Alaska with them. And uh, his property in Northern California was kind of remote too, like similar type of lifestyle, yeah. honestly, just in a much warmer, uh, sunnier <laughs> spot. But but he was just like, he liked that, you know, that our mutual friends were from like the bush in Alaska and he was, and his place was off the grid too. Like they grew all their own food and far from town, you know, big time hunting, fishing. I mean, the guy could do everything, you know grow food, fix his equipment, make clothing out of the bucks that he hunted. He you know? didn't need nobody. He had arrowheads, dude. They had they had made all their own arrowheads just like oh, in their wow. free time because they had obsidian on their land and they were like flinting arrowheads and stuff. Oh, like, that's crazy. Yeah, huge garden, orchard, and uh, kind of just, I learned a lot from him about all different things, but his way he made his living was cannabis cultivation and I just kind of happened into it and worked for him and turned out he wasn't just like, an average grower either he was like the grower in the area like mm. everybody went to him for advice and he was like the local like legend dude i mean he, he grew like some of the best herb in the in the region you know on that in that section of the yeah. county you know what i mean so he was just a great guy and gave me a huge opportunity and that's how i was able to ultimately you know save save a chunk of change to get my own land so and i decided to come back east when, to do that because i you know i just my family's still back out here mm-hmm. in the in the New England region, and uh, I wanted to be closer to family when I was settling down. You know, not Absolutely. on the West Coast. I love the West Coast, but I just decided to come back east. You're from yeah. Vermont, right? Uh, no, I'm from Connecticut. Oh, so where you, where you're up. from the the New? Is that st- is Connecticut still New England? I mean, technically, yeah, yeah it's, it's like Southern New England. You know, yeah. I think a lot of Vermonters would say it's not, but like it's <laughs> you know, it's New England in the sense that it's an old British colony, and exactly, you know, there are some cool old historical places, but it's you know. It's way more yeah. populated than here. Well, know? I mean, I feel like anything in this area, you're going to come back. I feel Vermonters, like my daughter, she was born in New York, but, you know, moving to Vermont, this is what she remembers all her life. But it's crazy because I want to go to the city. I want to do this. But, you know, you're going to end up right back here. Like, it's it's the place yeah. to be. Like it's Yeah, Vermont's awesome. I mean, yeah. I definitely couldn't live in Connecticut again after mm-hmm. living the places I lived out west and stuff were so, so awesome yeah. and so wide open well, and just like yeah. What was know. Alaska? You said you was living out in Alaska. I just I spent two summers there, and I one of the summers I kind of stayed into like November first, so kind of into the middle of the fall, I guess. But yeah. uh, I only spent two summers there. But it was, 
at that point in time, my life, my dream was to be a professional mountain guide. And, uh, mm. so I like begged, I call, you know, I found this mountain guide service in this national park and called them and begged for a job. And they hired me on, I had no experience at all, you know, like just, <laughs> but they took a chance on me. And, and that was at, in this town called McCarthy in the Wrangell St. Elias National Park, which is at the end of a road. It's an old mining town that mm-hmm. was discovered in like the early 1900s. There was copper there. So that was kind of developed as a, as a mining town. And then the mine oh, shut wow. down in like 1930s mm-hmm. and the place was abandoned until it was, you know, people started trickling back in and homesteading out there. Um, Cause you could still take the old railroad tracks to get out there. Yeah. But it's pretty remote. It's you know it's at the end. It is on a road. You can still drive there, but it's the end of the road. It's like the end. in yeah, Alaska, it's, like it's not. There's nothing be- beyond that for a long, long ways. That's crazy. Long ways. Now, when you were in Alaska, was that kind of like was it was it uh um did you get all summer? I mean, I know you was in there this summer. Was there yeah. any like extra daylight? Or? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, we were in in the southern part of the state, so um, not in like the southeastern peninsula which is known as southeast alaska we were in kind of the main part of alaska but in the southern end so the during the summer solstice around this time of year you know it was light 24 hours a day but like during the peak of night 2 a.m or whatever it was kind of like dusky a little bit like the oh, sun wow. would like the sun would dip below the mountain basically yeah but never it never got dark you know what i mean like <laughs> the sun like dipped below a mountain and then came back like two hours later you know, and it was like that. And then, but it drops off after the solstice quickly too, to where. How long did the light last? Uh, I remember by like July, like it was weird. Cause you get used to it for a while. You know, yeah. you don't have to bring a headlamp or anything with you, no matter <laughs> everywhere you go. And when I was up there, I was in like my early twenties, probably 23 or something. And so yeah. I was like, it's a party town too. It's, you know, it's a summertime. It's in a national park the and a lot, a lot of seasonal <laughs> young workers that party, you know? Yeah. yeah. So you're partying out late and whatnot. And, riding your bike home and whatever uh and uh don't need a headlamp but then when it does finally get dark you go to one of these parties and you don't bring a headlamp because you're not you you know you forget and i remember some dark dark what rides home like you know where you can't see anything you're like holy shit there's like, nothing out here and yeah except grizzly bears and moose oh, too shit. like you, you know. said grizzly bear oh yeah so i know i seen a black bear walk across my yard yeah. And that was startling, but seeing a grizzly, have you ever seen a grizzly? Yeah, I saw several of them, but I never, never from super close. So it was yeah. always a pretty safe, like distance. Oh man. You know? but, moose too, I'm assuming. Yeah, a lot of moose. I had a, a moose actually, a crazy thing that happened was a, a grizzly bear chased a moose right through the little village there. And I was living in like a, like a plywood shack that was like eight by eight, you know, like yeah. it was seriously, it was just made for summer, it had like a cot in it, you know, and it yeah. was made for a summer seasonal worker and the moose just, I, I hear it's like, and it's just like something galloping. I was like, what is going on? And I got out of my tent and peeked out the window to look and the moose just sprinted right by next to my thing, my little shack full, full speed as fast as it could run. And it turned out that, and I, I didn't notice anything else after that. I was just like, huh, that was weird. I went back to bed and I heard the next day that a bear chased that moose right through town and it must've lost. I didn't see the bear. So, the bear must have gone, you know, moose Man. must have lost him, I guess. But yo, that's the crazy. moose ran like six feet away from my little shack. I mean, I was inside of it, whatever, but he was just like how steamrolling. Big? How big, big. Was it? it was yeah, huge. he was big. They're, <laughs> they're a little bigger up there than down here. Hell yeah. I would have imagined. So I seen my first moose out in Glover. 
And I thought that somebody had carved it because it was like in the shedding season. Mm -hmm. So I thought that somebody had like carved the moose out of wood just the way it was standing. And I was like, look at that. And then as soon as I started talking about it, it like turned his head. And I was like, oh, shit, it's a moose. And I described it to people. And it was like, oh, that was just a baby. But it was like in a valley standing on the ground and I was in a truck. Yeah. And you could tell that its head was still above the the hood of the car. Mm-hmm. Like this thing was ginormous. He's like, oh, that was just a baby. It didn't have it was just so and then I've watched TV shows like I just got I've always wanted to go to Alaska. So because uh, I wanted to see like the 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 What's the green? Aurora Borealis. Yeah, that yeah. I wanted to see that. You ever seen that? Yeah, I saw it in the fall oh, when it shit. starts getting dark again. Yo, that's crazy. Yeah, it's well, pretty cool. I wanted to experience the light, the light situation because it's, it's. I guess at the time it was a hard thing to wrap my mind around that there can be like twenty two hours of daylight. Like it still doesn't compute to me. I feel like I gotta see it. But I started watching like little Alaskan TV shows and started watching the state trooper, Alaskan state troopers, where this cop was fighting a, a moose in the front yard. It was just people was like trying to get this moose out because they had to go do something. And, you know, the guy walked up and was like, hey, get out of here, moose. And the moose charged and had to shoot it. But I mean, this moose was like the moose's legs. I'm not sure how big like this guy was, but you can tell. Like the moose's legs was as tall as the guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. like they're, it was like a, a elephant or some shit. They're a little bigger up there too. Yeah. It's like I think just better habitat and less. There's less people, you yeah. know, so they can grow bigger. They don't get. I don't know. They do get, but they are a little bit bigger up there than they are yeah. down here for whatever reason. Yeah. They don't have the ticks, probably. You know. Oh yeah. Either. I wonder why we don't call moose meese. Is that like a group of moose? I have I don't know. I don't know what a, maybe a herd? I don't know what a group of moose is technically called yeah. though. There's gotta be some a, name for it. A meese. <laughs> yeah. Like anyway. <laughs> my bad. Just me thinking. If you could uh, uh before we go any further, if you could, can you please put your sticker. Hey, so look, let me tell you. Usually I send everybody a text and I'm like, yo, you know, a little pre-text. And it's like, hey, this is what we're going to be doing. If you got some stickers, bring them. And I forgot to tell him. I was like, hey, I forgot to tell him. Like, then when he came in, I was like, damn. I was like, did you bring stickers? He said, hell yeah, I listened to your podcast. And I was like, oh, yes. So if you could, could you please put your sticker on the counter table? Yeah, we'll stick it right here next to this Vermontawana Pure Sun Grown sticker. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect spot for it. Like he left it there for you. <laughs> Thank you so much, sir. Hell yeah, man. Thank you. Well, I'm honored to be on there. That's dope. I can't wait, man. This is awesome. So look, I know it's funny that you're putting it beside uh, Vermontawana stickers because when I had him on a few episodes ago, we was talking about how he's doing a collaboration tour, I guess, that would be more, y'all got some stuff going on. So, you know what I'm saying? How about you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so we started it in 2020, um, partnered together on it. You know, it's something I, I first met Eli. I, I moved to my spot in 2015, which is close to Burke. And I met him that winter on a powder day at Burke. And, uh, and we just, you know, happened to get on the chairlift together at the same time. That was it. Didn't know who he was. I recognized him cause we, he would work in there too. So, I think we maybe recognized each other, but anyways, we just kind of became friends and 
had a good powder day, but we were talking there on the chairlift about like how it'd be cool to someday if it's legal, like have kind of like you can visit a vineyard, you know, and see where the grapes are grown for the wine that you like, you know, be able to do the same thing with cannabis. If you, you know, just visit a cannabis op- grow operation farm, you know, and, uh, we decided to try and do it in 2020 during the pandemic. Everything was weird and going on, and we were just like entrepreneurial drive to keep trying to uh, trying to make some money off of hemp. I was growing CBD. The price would basically fall below my production at that cost at that point. So I yeah. I knew I couldn't make any money selling the flour really. Um, but it's trying to develop that as a way to try to diversify, I guess, a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and just normalize it too. Just show people, everybody who came thinks it's really cool to see how it's, you know, they, for the most part, they've never been to a commercial cannabis grow before. You know, Absolutely. a lot of them are home growers and stuff and they've grown a few plants and some of them have stories from, you know, back in the eighties or seventies or some of the folks are, you know, of that, of that age I group. I swear, I've seen, and, a, uh, and, I've seen a weed plant as big as the Empire well, State. No, they just talk about like the plants they grew back in the seventies yeah, and stuff, yeah. you know, it's cool to like hear the stories and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah. And, uh, and it's, I don't know, it's been fun. So that now that we can actually have like THC flour and products that are available for purchase at a store around the state, I think it's a cool way to show people basically what we talked about in 2016 on the chairlift. Mm-hmm. We're trying to do that, but, you know, show people where connect them to where their flower is grown. If they happen to like, you know, my flower or his flower or anyone, you know, anyone should be able to, you know, should be doing it. And then hopefully those people will, you know, become good customers in the future want again i don't know absolutely and i'm open about everything i do i walk them through the whole thing from seed to sale i mean i i haven't really started other people's seeds for a few years i've been kind of doing my own year-round propagating you know on a very micro scale because i'm limited on my resources but uh but you know i just explain what i know and if if i can answer questions i can if i don't know then i don't know and i tell them that too but like you know because i learn one of the things I like about it is how much I learn every year. You know, yeah. I learn as much this every year as I did the year before. Like, exactly. never stop learning. And you I'm know, especially in 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 this game. Like, not even with moving it, just the growth of you know what I'm saying. Just the growth of what. Okay, this came out this because of this. So if I change this, I can get this production. Or and that was the one thing I was going to say. Like I've. I follow you on Instagram and I see the I've never seen plants like yours, like the way they're shaped and, you know, like they have this thick ass stalk with thick ass stalks coming from it. And and I, you're like, are they on a mound? Uh, Is it like a mound? When, you know, those big plants, I I are usually the mothers that I take all my clones from. Uh-huh. So the older plants uh-huh. and they've been. You know, I I keep them alive in the winter underneath LED lights, um, <laughs> and I up pot them and stuff, and try to so they and I and I train them like that from an early, an early age. Every time I'm pruning, you know, I'm taking cuttings or whatever and trying to, and but yeah, but I have a couple big mounds, I guess, to answer your question about that. Uh, um, that are just I've been growing in for I don't know five years, I guess. Yeah. And every year I just, I make them big, add more compost. Now, basically now I just add compost. It's all I add to it. Oh, wow. And, uh, and mulch it. And I don't, that's it. I put the plant in, water it in when it gets planted and uh, that's all. And cage it and stake it and keep training it. Yeah. You know, keep training it. But that's just, I do that to like a f- five to 10 plants a year. Yeah. Because it's a lot of work too. 
yeah. to, to try to do that. And the it's, it's the mother like, has lived her life. Yeah. It's time to, it's yeah. time to retire. Time to retire. Yeah, the mother. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But, those, but they can get big, you know, yeah. under the right circumstances, you can, they can get pretty big. I'm assuming it's a view out there as well. Is yeah, a, it's a it's a nice it's a cool spot that is um, private because it's you know it's a it's a decent little chunk. Um, and the way it was kind of set up by the previous owners is they built their little homestead on the back side of it, uh-huh. away from the town road. I mean, I'm I'm connected to a town road still, but my driveway is like a third of a mile long, you know, through the woods to get to the where the field is and stuff. Um, yeah. Not a lot of people know it's there, to be honest. Even locals who have lived in that t- you know in town their whole life like my my dog funny story of spartacus actually introduced me to like most of the people in town mo- most all my neighbors anyways because he would he would run through the woods and you know go he's the friendliest dog ever and i think he'd just get bored and lonely and they they would give him treats and stuff like at one time i'd go pick him up and the guy would be out in the porch eating pork chops and they're like yeah well we give him a few pe- pieces of our pork chop and he seems to come back and all the time I'm like well of course like, you're feeding him that's but, what he's uh, gonna do you know but yeah so anyways i would tell people try to describe where i'm living they'd be like where yeah. like, do you live back there there's a wait there's a house up there like you know because it's just a little bit off the beaten path but it's, it's not so far either it's kind of close to town i don't yeah, know yeah. it's not like alaska or it's not like parts of northern california or the west you know it's still you know not that far <laughs> yeah Nah. i uh that's how i feel about where i'm living like if you don't know where i live then you're not going to know where i live totally. yeah. like you can go right past it a lot of people that i've told like that's why I had to send go don't go up the mountain because if you see the road you're yeah. gonna go yeah you know um but I like I like that off the beaten path type yeah you know like you can see where I stay like you know it's quiet I get a little animal encounters here and there yeah. but that's it yeah <laughs> you know what I'm saying it's nothing nothing too major out here and I yeah. like that about that absolutely I, so Vermont's a great place to be man yeah so man let me tell you um. This is the the OP Kush. Uh, that's the Afghani. No, the Afghani. Yeah, that's right. I, when I was uh, when I was bud tending, I would see a lot of older crowds come in, and they wanted a heavy indica, and that's what they would give. It was like, hey, well, you know, that that is that, mm-hmm. and uh, it's crazy because I. I'm not saying that I was I was ever on the indoor outdoor train. I was always, does it do the job? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. but as time progressed, like you could really tell the difference of like the controlled, perfect environment and sun grown. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But I remember when I had a couple of your nugs, like your nugs was like some had some some girth to them, like they were solid, and you only grow outdoor, correct? Yeah, yeah, because that's that's the way it's supposed to be grown. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, so it's, there's a, I mean, I kind of agree with you, I guess I'll say that. Um, I think it, uh, there's nothing wrong with growing sun grown. I don't think, you know, Um, and yeah, I don't, I, you know, you do certain things to try to guide the steer, the steer, the ship in your favor, you know, Uh, obviously you're trying Mm -hmm. to do what you can to have a successful harvest. Um, but also to a certain degree, I, you try to work with the natural processes, not against them Absolutely. and make it so that, you know, you're doing as little, that's kind of the name of the game is like doing as little labor 
as possible for me. Like my, growing my plants is mostly my labor and time. Mm. You know, I don't spend a lot of money on lots of other inputs. You know, I get my compost from my next door neighbor, mm. which is all old silage from a local dairy farm that's been, you know, composted for 10 years, adds wood chips to it. And, you know, it's just basically just pitch black biomass, you know, it's like, so it's full of earthworms and hmm. I've had it tested before for nutrient content and it was just in like organic matter. And it was just like off the charts. It was like crazy. That's crazy. Um, so that's my, one of my major amendments is that, and that, and then, uh, uh, I use a, a little bit of pro grow a lot of times, but get them in the ground. You know, I've got soil that's decent enough. Like it's, it's well, you know, it could drain maybe a little bit better, but it drains good enough. And, uh, and mix the compost in with that and stick a plant in the ground and try to stake it so it doesn't totally blow over. But, you know, in the CBD days when it was below my cost of production, that was when I experimented with trying to do it for as cheap as possible and as little labor as possible. Yeah. I mean, there was one year I didn't stake anything. I just put, I had, I got feminized seeds and I started them in like end of May, transplanted them two weeks later in the beginning of June and that's it. Didn't stake anything, just added compost to the soil and put a plant in. And they, they were like some of my best plants ever. So, you know, they blow over, but they like support themselves. I don't know. It was just like, all right, I'm going to see what happens if I do nothing to these ones this year. You know? I had I, one of my first grows. I had a plant that was started leaning, but it kind of had like a, a curvature. You mm. know what I'm saying? And they was like, hey, you're stressing it out. Like, you know, you need to get it stood up and you know i did but i swear to god this plant was it was like purple and like had a, a brownish like it was it was the crazy it looked like fall mm-hmm. in the trees on this plant like it was mm-hmm. amazing colors and stuff but he was somebody else was telling me that stress that you give it it's okay to stress it because when you stress it it makes it have to be stronger and it makes a bigger production yeah, I mean, I, I think that is important. There, there's got to be wind for it to be a strong stock. That's some minor stress, you know, whatever. You don't want it to be. That's the workout. No wind. Like if you take a plant from inside that, you know, you've kept as mom or whatever through the winter and stick it outside on a sunny day in April. And it's like even the slightest breeze, it's going to fold right over. Exactly. Like even if you have a fan on it and everything. Like yeah. same thing with the sun. Sunlight is like a million times stronger than the, the grow lights. You know, even the best man-made grow lights don't are nothing compared to the sun, right? Yeah. You know, so you take a plant from inside on a sunny day and stick it right outside. It's going to get all sunburnt, like just like a little baby would that's never seen sunlight. He baby human, you know, like <laughs> exactly. it's going to get scorched. Like, yeah. so, you know, yeah, the outside elements are, are it, gnarly. It's, yeah. you know, it's hard knocks out there. It's like, it is. It's, I, it's, I put all my plants out this year, right before, you know, at the end of that cold or heat wave at the end of May. And then basically got them in the ground and then it got cold and rainy. I don't know if you remember the first week of June, mm-hmm. it was like pretty cold and rainy. And I was just like, well, yep. welcome to Vermont it's, girls. <laughs> you better, if you can stick this out, you going to win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's what I did. I had got that warm week and I stuck them out and I started babying them. I would bring them in at nighttime. Once we got a couple, yeah. I heard a couple frost. I'm like, look, let's, let's keep it. You know what I'm saying? Got yeah, to bring them to. in. So, you know, and they, as you see, they survived. They, yeah. Ended up getting bigger. I brought him in, I, but I left one out. So I was like, let me see. Yeah. And she, she had a little frost on them, and she she she's still out there. I don't forgot which one it is because yeah. they got, you know, all of them survived. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it's good. You, you can, it's the hard not life. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, 
with some good herbage you got here, yeah, sir. Thank you. <laughs> well, look, man, I want to thank you so much for coming out. I really do. I know you drove three hours. No, no I'm just no. playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> nah, you drove like an hour. Anything over an hour, like, you know what I'm saying? It's, it means a lot because, it, you know, you see my vision. You know what I'm saying? You see what I'm doing. You understand it. And what you told me earlier, this is your first podcast. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, this is pretty welcome, legit. Welcome to the world, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, this room, man, I started creating it unbeknownst to me. This is what I was going to be doing. So, boom, <laughs> you know, put a lot of work in. It's, it's pretty, pretty cool. Thank you, yeah. man. Thank you. Really <laughs> appreciate it. Well, once again, man, thank you for coming out. I appreciate you. Can you tell them, you know what I'm saying, where to find you at? You can follow along at you know, farm updates at off piece farm VT on Instagram. And, uh, also on my website, www.offpiecefarm.com. P I S T E. Yeah. Yo, I ain't going to front. I mean, of course, a lot of people probably as well. Like I fucked that name up. When oh I yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not an English or, a, you know, an American word. So, exactly. you know, unless so, you've been like a skier or something, they get it sometimes. Exactly. But. Yeah. So, well, off piste. Off piste. I yeah. appreciate you, man. I appreciate you for coming out. You know where to find him. Off piste. P I S T E. I mean, go follow his Instagram. I'll be watching him. And he, you, you, you nice with the camera. Like, I mean, the videos and stuff. Like, you got some, you got some. Go, go follow him. I'm going, then, I went from a, what do you call it? So, no social media to now I'm trying to do a little social media and <laughs> media in media. And, <laughs> Alright man Well thank you And y'all know where y'all can find me on Instagram Candestations Podcast Appreciate y'all for listening Ben once again thank you You know what it is Catch me next time Y'all stay blazing and stay amazing And we out